It's 4 o'clock on a Monday. You know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! <laughs> and the crowd goes wild. So I want to welcome everybody in the chat room. I'll say hello in a moment, but first I want you to meet our wonderful head screener, Miss Angela McCool. Whoops. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Wrong button. All right. I love the sound <laughs> you know me, I've had very little practice pushing buttons. Actually, I'm a pop <laughs> in my ears. Let's see who we've got. We have Carrie Harchin, uh, Ann House, Krista Knight, Ken Messer, Carl's Wurzbach. Oh my gosh, they're going back by too quickly. Dave Bennett, Peter Rahill, Kiara Tingley, L. Franklin, Bob Gunnerfeld, Kip Johnson, Marion Laird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gang's all here. Cass McKenty, Alan McCool. Hello, guys. How are you? Welcome to Monday. <laughs> Hi, Angela. Hi. <laughs> it's funny seeing you here in the context of Taxi TV versus... Uh, <laughs> a zoom meeting for the staff but uh nice to see you nonetheless so uh angela's here by popular demand she did such a great job on the panel during the rally that several people emailed and said why don't you do a, a thing with angela so i reached out and she was available so here we are uh, yeah and i'm excited to bring her her wisdom um to you guys because uh as i think i mentioned maybe in the quarantini we did after the rally. Um, she's been one of the, she was absolutely one of the very best screeners that we ever had at Taxi. And uh, when the, the slot opened up to be head screener and I asked her and she said, yes, we were all very delighted. And we're even more delighted now that she's been in the saddle for a while and just knocking it out of the park, as they say, she does a great job. So <laughs> I'm very happy to, uh, have you here and have you answer questions from me and then we'll move on to questions from uh, the audience members that they send in before the big show. Uh, Dan Weber says, thanks for putting up with us for an hour and a half, Angela. <laughs> well, so far she's only put up with you for a minute or two, so we'll see how you guys do. <laughs> hey, Andre, how are you? Um, it's a pleasure to be here, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So let me start out by just having you familiarize everybody that's watching with what your job is, what head screener actually does at Taxi. Yeah, so a uh, head screener, the main main thing is quality control. And that would be um, in regards to all of the critiques and in regards to what's being sent to the client, the the forwards that playlist the the music that gets picked and then of course i am constantly in contact with the screeners and coaching them um in charge of training new hire new screeners and just making sure that everything the critiques are where we want them to be um taxi standards and um just making sure everything is up to the high quality bar that we would like it to be um, there you go. Well, <laughs> you do a great job of that. And, you know, it, it's funny. It, well, it's not funny, but you almost couldn't be head screener. I think that Tom was probably one of two people in 28 or 29 years that was ever head screener who hadn't actually been a screener, but he'd been around the screeners <laughs> for so many years. 
um, that we felt comfortable with him doing the job and he did it really well back in the day. But um, yeah, you know, you were such a, a prime candidate because you, you just wrote great critiques and Oh, I, I should let everybody know that uh, I think I mentioned during the rally, but for those watching who, who didn't see Angela during the rally, that Angela has been a signed artist on a record label, and she can tell us about that in a moment because somebody actually asked that as one of the questions. And she also worked um, for a sync agent that primarily did TV commercial work. And mm -hmm. we knew Angela because of that gig uh, before she started screening at Taxi. And we could tell that she really knew a lot about a lot of genres. And, and you know, that's part of the gig, uh, being head screener. And I, I was thinking about it over the weekend, um, Angela, so this is more of the form of a question. Um, mm -hmm. Although you're familiar with many genres, what do you do when you have a member that's not happy with the critique or a screener who didn't do a particularly good job of verbalizing what they felt in the, in the realm of feedback, and it might be for a genre like, you know, death metal or something that, I don't know, maybe you're, you're expert at death metal, but what do you do when it's a genre where you're not particularly expert? I always definitely try to do my best to decipher, um, listen to the references and really do my best to understand what's being asked. If I, I always do that, but especially if I'm not exactly... It's not my area of expertise, but I I will always ask for if Tom might. It, in those cases, I'll normally ask Tom for a second set of ears just to be like, "Hey, is this right?" And then if there's two of us saying one thing, then it, it makes me feel better um, about that. There there are some screeners that are extremely well versed in a certain style too that have been around a lot. I will even send it to them. Um, if I if it comes to that, but normally Tom's my bouncing out, bouncing off uh, partner. <laughs> that, that, that second year, if it's like this is not my area. Gee, right after I told everybody how uh, how well you're able to verbalize things that you can coach other people, you come up with a phrase like bouncing out of people. <laughs> no, trust me, she's very articulate. <laughs> um, What's your favorite part of the gig and what is the hardest part of the gig? Ah, there is, there's so much. I love being a coach, whether it be to screeners or to members. Like, so I really enjoy trying to explain something the best that I can in order to help someone understand something better or get, get it better. Um, just constantly improving and maybe pointing out different things that they might not have thought about. Uh, I also obviously love when a member reaches out saying, oh, from this forward, I got a deal or making things like that happen. Um, I love that. I love music. I love curating the, the monthly list that I've been able to do that recently. It's been a highlight to do like our tax top 10 of the month or featured artists of the month. Um, I'm always looking out for a standout song, things like that. So, I mean, it's a, I really enjoy it, a lot of it. I loved screening too, for the similar reasons of trying to help someone out. 
you know, a lot of people, I think, have this misconception uh, that the screeners are, yeah, people have long thought that everybody who works in the industry that is a so-called gatekeeper is somehow like trying to keep them out of the industry. And I've spent all my years at Taxi trying to convey what we see every day at the office, which is the screeners are actually delighted when they find something great and really are kind of brokenhearted. They, they hate to, you know, break anybody's heart by not forwarding them. Um, have you found that to be the case too, that they're, they're all like literally to the person champions of independent musicians? They really are. And I think that's special about the taxi just ethos um, and culture. All of the screeners really do want to help. And, you know, if I'm saying, hey, try to do this or can you phrase things like that, they always are very receptive to the feedback. Um, and on the other end, like say we are training someone new, they might come at it from the approach of their you know, industry speak is not taxi speak. That we're kinder in the way we phrase things by nature because we do want to be that, you know, facilitator of new working relationships, but also helping you along in your career to understand what's needed in the music marketplace. Like the actually, you know, making your music to fit the industry's needs. Um, so the the screeners are. They want to help facilitate that. But industry speak might be blunt, short, to the point, nope, this doesn't work. Uh, just <laughs> on, there's tons of music um, being inundated to whoever industry professionals on a daily basis. So that industry speak might be a lot shorter and to the point. So sometimes a new screener might have amazing credentials, but they need to learn the way taxi does things, which is more from that coach perspective of helping them help pinpointing and putting into words why it's not working or what would need to change. So, and they all want to do that. It's just a matter of getting that language down. So that I think it's a benefit in a lot of ways of the, these screeners that have that heart and want to share their experience and their expertise as real players in the, in, they're making a living, you know, in the industry and in whatever aspects they are um, on the side of the fence, whether it's their producers or if they're music supervisors themselves. So they know what's going on and they want to help the members be able to be play a part in that game. Uh, I'm glad that you brought up industry speak because it can sound harsh and we do have to kind of retrain them to speak in a more mentorly coach-like way. I remember back in the day when I used to go to Nashville all the time, I would go there six, seven, eight times in a year and we'd go to pitch meetings um, and the A&R people that I met with at the labels, uh, it, it was a little off-putting the first time I went, but then somebody that I went with said to me, hey man, don't take it so, whoops, I lost Angela. Oh no, that's not good. Angela, come back. <laughs> well, let me contact Bria and tell Angela to re-click the link. Yikes.
Uh, Houston, we do have a problem. <laughs> the Riddler, yes. <laughs> All right, Bria is helping her get back on with us. That's good. Hmm. Let me turn my ringer on in case Bria needs to reach me. <laughs> Angela has a big question. Boy, am I glad this didn't happen during the road rally. Sean Hurwitz. <laughs> oh, man. I may need to re-add her to the screen. Well, let's see if I can figure that out. Sorry, guys. Be with you in a moment. Boy, am I glad this didn't happen during the rally. Nothing is ever easy. And I can just sit here and stare at the camera. Send her another link. And she was doing so nicely.
Oh no, okay. what happened? All right, there you are. All right, I have no idea what happened. This, uh, this is why I had a technical director here for the rally and why I had Bria here prior to the rally. All right. Oh no. All right, uh, there she is, okay. All right, so where were we? <laughs> Uh, oh, um, hmm. you were saying someone at the rally, maybe? I had just talked about industry speak and it sparked the oh, memory. Oh, that when, that when I would go to Nashville and I would go sit down with the vice president of A&R at one of the major labels and play them something. And there were times literally five, six, seven seconds into the intro, they go, nope, next one. Nope, next one. What else you got? They weren't doing oh, it to be mean. They were. Yeah, they, they would just listen to a zillion uh, songs right. in a week, and they knew really quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I remember one of the most well-credentialed um, screeners we ever had at Taxi was a woman who was previously like vice president of publishing at Sony ATV or something. You know, like uh, she was as high as you get in Los Angeles for one of the major publishers. Um, mm -hmm. and, and when she first started out, she was like, nope, this doesn't work, is how she would respond to members. Right. Like, well, that's great that you know that it doesn't work, but can you find a nice way to say it doesn't work because, and maybe you should try this. And mm -hmm. she eventually got it. Um, but yeah, you're right. Industry speak is shorthand because people don't have time. And that is probably the biggest difference between taxis a and R people and the whole rest of the industry is our people. Very true. All, all people in the industry are fans of music, music and musicians, but teaching them how to take that enthusiasm and translate that into helpful commentary is really important to us at Taxi. So, Definitely. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, let's see, where did I leave off? Um, Oh, so as a musician, um, mm -hmm. as a, a singer-songwriter, somebody who worked her tushy off to get herself a record deal and has been signed to a label, um, what is like your perception if you weren't the head screener, if you had never 
been a screen or a taxi, if you were looking at taxi from the member perspective, what might you see? What might you think? And, and as is the case throughout this entire interview, you are free to say anything. I, you know, don't. <laughs> well, I think, you know, that it is super interesting as a mem as someone wanting to maybe get into film and TV. Like so many people are like, oh, I want my songs in movies or something like that. Oh, I want to send to a label. Well, going to taxi and being able to just see all the listings and different opportunities would be really intriguing to me. And it would seem like, oh, this is a way that, hey, if these are my goals right now, then this is at least, you know, this is where I can go. It's not just throwing it to the wind and like hoping that I'll somehow my song will get heard by someone who's going to, you know, yeah, we all want that. But this is a place to see where real clients have opportunities. And also if I was just, you know, outside looking in to see what's being asked for, I think that is, even before you're a member, you can go on the site and see listings. And I think it's so helpful. That's one way to know, like put your finger on the pulse of what's actually being used. And there's a lot of, you know, consistent themes and things in listings from time to time and they're from different clients. So it's a good way to know, oh, I should, if that's what I want to do, maybe I should have that in mind when I'm writing you know, um, that's what I would think. And yeah, well, the, <laughs> the, I do think it's a big tool for sure. Are you calling me a big tool? <laughs> no, like taxi is a big tool for getting, you know, what you want to um, do, where you want to go. I think that, that that's an astute observation and sadly, um, it's a, a tough, a big chasm for people to cross when they create art. Musicians are creating yeah. art. And hey, mm -hmm. this is what I create. Why doesn't the industry come around to what I do? Which right. was kind of old school advice in the industry. Just keep doing what you're doing, man. Sooner or later, they'll be looking for what you've got. But you know, you could be 38 years old um and they're not looking for 38 year old rock stars to sign or you could mm -hmm. be doing music that sounds like it's stuck in 1977 and yeah there's a you know there's some opportunities for vintage stuff from 1977 right but it's really hard and i so get it and understand it and really feel for musicians that the industry wants what it needs. It's not that they're creating kind of these um, on a whim desires of what they need. They need what they right. need because either the TV show needs that for the scene or record label needs certain kinds of artists because that sort of thing is hot right now or it's about to get hot a year from now. Mm -hmm. and, and it's always been heartbreaking for me as the owner of Taxi for people who don't cross that chasm, who see that the industry is not looking for what I do. And, and they get very frustrated with us and the industry as a whole that right. this, is, this is just what I do, you know? So yeah. Uh, any thoughts about that? Because it breaks my heart. I think, yeah, I do. I understand that. And that's why I think it's so important. Like 
what are the goals that you have for your music and what what do you want to do and it, it is a big mindset shift if you are you know gonna change from creating music just to create music to you know actually wanting it to go somewhere or make money off of it or turn into making a living full-time living um it you got to i think i said this on during the rally too like if you want the job you need to act like you want the job then like the the listing is it's like the credentials or what's being asked for those are your tasks if it was like a job listing you wouldn't apply to a job if you didn't have any intention of doing any of the job tasks like just it's like a client you know and that's another thing that i try to point out sometimes when someone's you know getting we are not trying to crush anyone's dreams or anything like that but if they're not understanding it's like you have to understand that most of the opportunities on here with taxi and just in the industry it's like you're trying to help the music supervisor or the brand tell their story it's their story so like we need to help facilitate that but and it's not just all about the song you know the song has to set the right mood the song has to have that energy that gets someone excited to watch the movie or buy that whatever product is in the ad. So I think we just have to realize and be a little more humble and like, I want my song to help tell someone else's story. Like for me as a songwriter, it's so rewarding when people connect to my song or they feel like it's their song. And so it's similar. I mean, if you have the honor of your song being an ad or in a TV show, it's like you are facilitating that even on a wider level because hopefully more people are going to see that and connect with it. And we're just trying to facilitate connection. So however it goes, and if you're willing to be a little more open to however that plays out, then it's like you're doing what you love. You're making money off of it. It's reaching more people. I think the the reaching the more people thing is really important. And Mm -hmm. I recognize that. I think Taxi as a company recognizes that. For a lot of people, it's not so much about the money as it is about, I want to share what I've created. It will make me feel really good and kind of validate me if, you know, millions of people can hear my music. That's been my life's dream. And Mm -hmm. one of the other things that breaks my heart is when members send us emails or complain to the head screener it's like but your screener your screener said that this was a good track um and it it was almost there why can't you guys send music to the listing companies or the people that run the listings it's like pretty darn close so when you worked for the big sync agent um Mm -hmm. when if uh, and you were getting music from taxi for her that i assume you would pre-screen before you would play it for mm-hmm. her what if we had sent you music that was like that's eh, pretty good you know uh, if you massaged it and did this like, to it maybe if i reached out to them and said well could you rewrite the lyric why is it that the industry wants what it wants and the standard has to be high why can't we forward stuff that's almost there it's just it's not in anyone's best interest like it's not we're the client we're trying to make their lives easier 
lot of the times, depending, especially in the advertising world, the deadline is 24 hours or less. It's like there's no room for, oh, well, if it was, I could have just trimmed or done a different intro. It's like sometimes there's actually no time for that. And they just need something that's a quick, clear, they know, and good to go. But the reality is there's a lot of amazing music in the world and talented people. And you got to deliver upon the need and stand out the most and present yourself as the most competitive as possible um, to rise to that top. So, you know, if we can't send something that is is good but not hitting the mark of the needs because that's not helping the client. It's also not helping the member because they're probably not going to get reached out to if it's not what the client asked for. And it's just not, and we want to, you know, keep that trust and respect with our clients with taxi. So, and we want them to know, wow, taxi has amazing professional members. So we're also looking out for you and being, bringing the best to those clients and maintaining those relationships so we have more opportunities for the members and just goes on and on so it's just so important at every level here's a question from the chat (laughs) um, and i'm not going to start taking a bunch of questions from the chat but this is an interesting one we'll we'll go to the questions you guys sent in beforehand before i start taking them uh ad hoc from the chat but Robinson Treacher asks, how about the option to pay extra to speak with and to get the supervisor's contact info uh, on (laughs) songs you pre-screened and think those artists do deserve that opportunity? So why doesn't Taxi, if we think an artist is really good, why don't we connect them directly with the supervisor or the listing party? Um, I'm curious to hear your answer and then I'll pile on after you. (laughs) Okay. Uh, it's just it would get too much <laughs> we just can't but I will say what we do I mean some yeah you're gonna answer on top of this and no more but I would say we do kind of do that in terms of like the compilations if we're curating the top from that every month we do have a featured artist of the month or the top 10 of the month we're constantly looking out for that and of course we want to make things happen, but you got it. We can't just send, oh, this is a good song today, and then this is a good one tomorrow. It, it's like we got to make everyone's job easier, like I said. So if they're coming to us for a reason, we deliver upon the reason, and then that relationship is open, and then it's just more conducive to other things that come up, but we can't start doing all of that. Yeah, it's... Um... <laughs> I'm going to go back to the selling shoes story. When I was a, a teenager, I sold shoes one summer. And if a lady comes into the store and asks for a seven and a half B pot de soie in beige, you don't bring out a, a men's Basswegian penny loafer in uh, burgundy, you know, in a size nine and a half D. You got to give them what they're asking for. Otherwise, mm-hmm. they won't come back. We mm-hmm. would love to have the ability to just send great music all the time. And, and there's... I hate to, this is going to sound cruel, but there's a fantasy, I believe, that exists out there that people are so 
sure that their music is so good that if somebody just hears it, mm. uh, that, you know, if Taxi weren't the gatekeeper keeping them out, if somebody just heard my music, they would use it. They wouldn't um, because they're not going to rewrite their scene. They're not going to mm -hmm. uh, call up their director and say, by the way, you know, I know you wanted this kind of song for that scene in the movie, but I found another song that's just totally awesome. I love it. The director is going to say, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, that's just not the way the industry works. And sadly, that is the way the industry works. So if you want to be in the industry, mm -hmm. you kind of have to play by their rules. Mm -hmm. um, all right. Uh, you talked about that already. You talked about that. Or, ooh, I guess I should shut my email down. <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be hearing ding-dings a lot. Let me get rid of that. Okay. Um, I recently had a member who wasn't happy and I got on the phone with this lady and she was like, how do we even know your screeners are qualified? And we've heard this a million times over the years. Um, I think that people want to believe that if their music isn't getting forwarded, that... <sighs> <laughs> if you want to know how a high-powered executive in the industry <laughs> does business all day, that, that's what my day is like. Ding, 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 <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Okay. Um, so what the heck was I saying before the phone rang? Uh, uh, the member is upset on the phone. You just talked to her. Oh, about the, sc the screener's credibility. People have long mm -hmm. said, oh, they must have a bunch of interns listening to music over there because if they weren't interns, if they were actual professionals that knew what the hell they were doing, they clearly would see how amazing my song was and they would forward it. So mm -hmm. can you can you talk a bit about the, the credentials? The uh, yeah. yeah. Well, anytime we're hiring, for a screener that I've been here, we get amazing applicants. Like, you know, we can't, we don't hire everyone. So we're selective in who we hire and they definitely have to have credentials and be a player in, in the industry. Like I was talking about before, whether they're, they have years of A&R experience or they are a music supervisor themselves. Um, all of our screeners are highly credible in their and we have based off of their own areas of expertise too, uh, depending on style or on, you know, orchestral or label people. Like we have a well-rounded staff that can, that is versed in different areas and of all the different opportunities that we run. Um, I mean, Grammy winning, like they, they're highly, these are amazing people that, you know, I trust um, their expertise, of course. I'm still going to try to make them be very particular in how they're writing their comments and making sure they're, uh, you know, upholding taxis um, the way that we do things here. But they're all, they would not be hired if they didn't have a resume to back it. And we all, you know, and you saw it and approved it and we went through the whole you know, interview process, oftentimes it's, you know, recommendations to uh, different screeners. Screeners love the job and they probably know other amazing professionals as well. Um, 
yeah, so I do want people to know that they are highly vetted. Whereas, I mean, I've interned at a label before, and I can tell you the interns are listening to music there. <laughs> it's not, <laughs> not here. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's funny that when I've told people, I, I don't disclose necessarily the names or the screener number, but I will list off, you know, this is this person's credentials, somebody else's credentials, and they're like suspicious. Like, why would people who, why would somebody who's won a Grammy or somebody who's made a bunch of platinum albums or somebody who is currently a music supervisor, why would they work at Taxi as a screener? I think that there's an assumption that if you've got a Grammy, or you're a music supervisor, or you're whatever you are in the industry that you're driving around in a you know ninety thousand dollar Mercedes and you're making big money. Why would you need to screen? Uh, one example that I've always used, I would love to see if you've got any um, thing that you could add to this is we had a screener about five six years ago that was the music supervisor on the number one show on the FX network and he didn't make enough money um, at that gig to support himself, not even close. And I can oh. actually tell you, because I'm not going to tell anybody who he was, but he was making $7,500 a season to music Man. supervise the number one show. So he would have had to work on like 10 shows, which would be an impossible workload, but he would have had to do 10 shows. And that was low paying, uh, but music right. supervisors don't make a ton of money. Mm -hmm. um, there are very few that are in that like six-figure range, I would guess. Um, so we got the expertise of somebody who was music souping the, the top show on FX uh, and brought his talents to bear for our members because, unfortunately for him, he was getting paid so little. Um, right. Is that something that you've observed, that even though these people have Grammys and what have you, that they're like between gigs or exactly, they don't make a fortune? yeah. Totally. Um, you know, they're normally independent or they're their own business. So, sure, in between work or often also people enjoy doing this and enjoy having that, you know, if it's many of them, it's their side, you know, additional gig in addition to the rest. And we hope that we can keep them around when things get busy again. We're like, oh, no. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I think the reality is, you know, you have to have continued success in order to continually be in work. And so maybe you haven't had your uh, as many songs land or maybe the show you're working on, COVID happened or and then something was out and now you had a little more time. Um, so we see all those sort of things um, with our screeners. And when we get resumes in, sometimes we proactively look, we see if we're weak in certain genres, like not that long ago, a few months ago, one of our people who was really good at doing like pop and urban pop uh, moved back to the UK and didn't want to screen from there. So we had to scramble and find mm -hmm. some new people to fill in that void. And we get resumes in from people that would blow your minds. I mean, people that just have tons of, of you know, gold and platinum yeah. records and hit songs and stuff that they've written. And we pass on them. We will literally bring them in. We, we put them through kind of a, to use taxi lingo, a test drive. We bring them in and <laughs> have them do like listening to real member songs, but not 
and for an actual listing, but their results aren't the real results. They're doing a test and then everything goes back in the bucket to be screened by a real taxi yeah. screener later. And is it a true statement to say, this is a leading question because I've practically answered it for you, but <laughs> is it a true statement to say that um, sometimes people with incredible credentials on the record side of the industry, uh, somebody who has had massive success writing hit songs in pop for record labels, and you put them in the chair and ask them to screen pop for film and TV, they can't mm. get even close because it's two different disciplines. Totally. Yeah. Radio or, I mean, I'm like radio. It's like playlist too. It's not <laughs> just radio now, but big top 40, any of those artists label sort of thing. It's so different from what works for film and TV, like drastically. And they're two different areas of expertise um, for sure. One of the questions we got that were sent in prior to the show see if i can find it real quickly um marion laird asked this do screeners generally take on listings that are only in their areas of expertise or do you sometimes have to pinch hit in different genres if a screener's out sick or can't take care of enough listings by the deadline so can you talk about uh you know there are times that somebody's out sick or got pulled away for a session right. or whatever. So talk about how we solve that problem. And totally. yeah, again, I don't want to put yeah, words in your mouth. <laughs> primarily, everyone's assigned to their area of expertise. If we ever needed to see, expand that, we could even, you know, test with our already a screener and say, hey, will you feel comfortable in this? And they're, all of our screeners are amazing and honest people and there's definitely been times when a screener said you know what no i don't feel comfortable doing this or and times where we'll you check or times where they did say yeah i think i can do that and we've tried them you know on a handful and said mm, not so fast <laughs> <laughs> definitely yeah if any of those cases i'm like watching like a hawk and looking at all of their critiques and then it's like oh my god please never again because i have to fix all of these Right. <laughs> 10 hours. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we really, it just benefits everyone to definitely stick to, to what people are versed in and credible in. And, and, and to be perfectly honest, there was a time not that long ago, probably a few weeks ago, where we needed more hands on deck than we were able to get. And we pulled Angela out of mothballs and had her do some screening. <laughs> you know, even though she's like the queen bee of all the screeners, we needed the the person power, and mm -hmm. uh, so we had to pull Angela off of head screener and put her back in the chair to act as a screener on that. So we always solve the problem <laughs> ethically. Uh, we will never ever throw you guys under the bus by going, yeah, you know, this guy does rock, but I'm sure he could do a little hip hop. It, it you we would have a revolt amongst our members because they would quickly spot it. And so we don't let that happen. Totally. Um, let me see what else I got here. Oh, uh, talk about why it's easier to forward something than it is to market return. Oh, yeah, because a forward, you know, a screener just has to say, oh, this is great sending on or right. <laughs> it's a way or return they're expected to say 
to put into words why it's a return. Um, you know, you can't just say, oh, it doesn't work. The way that, and with a fold, I, we want them to say, oh, this works <laughs> more than just that. But it is way easier. And I believe me, I've seen some times where I'm like, um, you're forwarding everything. You can't. <laughs> right. Are you okay? Whoa. That happens like with the new screener in the like training process of going back and forth. Um, yeah. So it, it definitely is easier. In, imagine being in the screener seat hours on end listening to music. I mean, after a while, think about if you get a ton of submissions that are not, not paying attention to the brief that happens as a screener. I remember it's like, oh my gosh, why am I continuing to get a male vocal for a female vocal listing <laughs> that happens? So yes, it would be easier for the screener to just say, okay, this works, but no, we're not going to let that because we don't, we're not trying to give any of you false hope. It's like, this is real. If we're selecting it as a forward, that means we put our name on it. That's really a contender for this client to hear and hopefully make a deal from it. So, um, yeah, the, the screener is going to have to spend more time on the returns for sure. Um, Peter Rahill just had a question that is one that probably a lot of people wonder. Is there a time-limited taxi on how long you spend listing and considering a track? So mm. let, you know, we have A&R meetings um, every two weeks where four or five of us are on a Zoom together. And we actually do look at which screeners are making numbers and which screeners are not. And my personal um, ethos, I guess, that I've imbued the company with from day one, um, I actually answered this question to my wife standing in our kitchen of our one bedroom apartment that Taxi started in. And she said, why is it that you let some of the screeners who are really slow but really good stay on? Why don't you find people that are really good and faster that don't lose money for the company? And my answer was because the, the quality of their work is so good that I want the members to benefit from it and it's balanced out by the people who are faster than they need to be and really good. Um, mm -hmm. Is that something that you see as head screener that there's like an ebb and flow while some screeners may be slower, yeah, yeah. others are faster? You want to talk about that a bit or have I just totally answered everything? <laughs> no, we definitely, it is a, a balance that I try to work with the screeners on, you know, we have to give quality and the reality is we have to keep it efficient and moving along um, because there's just that many, there's deadlines to hit for, for us to deliver music upon. And there's a lot of submissions. There's listings that hundreds, several hundred submissions sometimes. So the, yeah, we gotta find that perfect balance um there are definitely screeners that it's just in their blood it's like they're knocking it out of the park almost immediately they're getting great giving great quality comments and they're able to be fast and do it quickly and that's great um there are definitely other members that you know they're just they are not members other screeners that they're not as fast and We've worked with them and they're not getting fast. <laughs> like they can get a little faster, but I don't want them to focus on getting faster. And then the comments are like one little thing. That's not going to work either. So right. I think 
it is really a team effort that, like you said, it does balance out. Um, the roster works together to fill in all those right it's kind of like a baseball team i'm glad you brought up roster (laughs) because not everybody is a great pitcher not everybody is a great hitter but you do try and strike a balance and yes you know we are in the business of making a profit that's what companies do but (laughs) we have always taken the approach that quality matters first and if we deliver quality on a consistent basis then the profit will come if we try and cut corners uh, and, and just tell the screeners crack the whip all the time and make them go faster, it's, it's fine if they write shorter comments. It's fine if they spend less time listening to the music. Um, we wouldn't have a company, uh, certainly not for this many years. Um, yeah. All right. So I'm, let's see. Um, I'm moving on to some of the stuff that you've talked about during the rally that not everybody might have had a chance to to hear. Best advice for earning forwards and deals through taxi? Totally. Um, I always say pitch accuracy is the best way. Um, Hitting on all the maybe minute criteria points as you can. Um, And then just in general, like the style, the really analyzing the references and making sure your song fits in the general mood or style or it sounds like it could be on a compilation with these references that is the biggest thing not only for earning forwards but also as i kind of mentioned previously a client hearing the forward and wanting to use it um sure a client might receive music and they have their own way of organizing their music libraries and maybe they'll save that if it's that amazing of a song they might save it and go to it later but if you are earning a forward with a song that was pitched accurately and is amazing you're gonna get a deal hopefully much sooner um because you're filling that exact need in that time and place um so yeah and then the small things like time duration that is uh, appropriate ending. I mean, there's literally, there's listings where the time duration is 90 to two seconds and there are submissions three, five minutes in length. It's like, that's not, that is not gonna work. <laughs> we gotta just pay attention to those. Do everything you can to position yourself for the drop in for, for standing out. Um, and if it's something as little as that, why not? Why not do that? You would think, you know, again, it's, <laughs> it's like going for an interview. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. don't don't try and get a job at NASA if you don't know anything about aeronautics. You know? <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Just give them what they're asking for. I know that seems less than artistic, but there are plenty of artistic taxi members that do hit those points that that you mentioned. Um, something totally. that's popping up quite frequently now in the chat room is do the screeners have a time limit how far into a song they will listen to? What's your response to that? There's no time limit. No, they definitely need to listen. Um, oftentimes, you know, they don't have to finish the entire song before they start writing. You can already start hearing one way or the other, especially if it's something as simple as the gender of the vocal is wrong. Well, then we already know 
that this isn't going to work. <laughs> but if, say, it's like an orchestral or a trailer piece, they're going to have to listen, you know, thoroughly to hear all the different acts and what's in there. So it is maybe dependent on the style and the listing requests and because um, they have to, of course, listen through to hear everything that is being asked for in the listing. This actually um, came up. I, I got a little feedback uh, from somebody, I believe, on the forum that said uh, that you guys didn't listen to like a uniform amount of time, that sometimes you would let songs run longer on the panels, the listening panels at the rally. Mm -hmm. Why is that? And my reason was because sometimes you just need to. Um, my personal advice that I always gave screeners back when I was the de facto head screener, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, and I was still screening myself back in the early days, was listen as far as the bridge, because back then most of what we were doing was record stuff. And you need to mm. hear if the song has a bridge or if it had a solid bridge. Does it have a good pre-chorus that gives you a nice lift into the chorus? You have to talk about the different elements, uh, and you can't talk about them if you don't hear them. So, yeah, I, yeah, I would not want somebody to just go, oh, the song sucks, you know, in the first 10 seconds. They need to listen that far. Now, if you're screening a, uh, for four hours working on drone cues that are like... Oh, man. Yeah, that's the that's toughest. <laughs> that is. That's the toughest one of all. <laughs> That'll melt down anybody. But you know what? I, I think the screeners probably do, and I've heard this anecdotally from a couple, is they'll listen to 20, 30 seconds, and they'll think, all right, do the sounds work? Is it making my palms sweat or whatever emotion that they should be going for? And then they probably look at the waveform and click through and go to the middle and mm -hmm. see, is it still the same thing? How does it end? So they do want to get the different elements. Uh, is that something Definitely. that you've observed? Okay. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Clicking around after a certain point, making sure to go listen to the ending. I can't tell you how many times I will be like, oh, this is great. And then it's like, eh. <laughs> it just completely it's like not an ending and i'm like what on earth happened there <laughs> it has to be a composed ending for sure i can't just you know yeah, cut out like that. I, I find that so odd that people can get everything right and then just literally like end it almost like they took a razor blade and cut a piece of tape you know? it's just <laughs> yeah. like, if you got everything else that right why didn't you give it a, a button or a stinger on that you know but mm -hmm. that's what people do um the difference between writing for an artist pitch versus writing for a sync pitch you've done both you've been a signed artist mm -hmm. and you've been you know the the first set of ears at a high-powered sync agency what are the differences oh uh, yeah definitely different like for an artist it pitch or a label pitch if you'll see these on taxi you know they want something that's fresh that hasn't been said before a thousand times that is like oh intriguing that sounds like it could be on the radio and think on um, radio and just modern writing is always evolving so a lot of it is like what's the phrasing like what right now it's like what's the syncopation is the melody interesting is it always evolving i found i find a lot of things on the radio like wow we're getting just hook after hook sometimes the second verse is a completely different melody than the first verse there's like there's different things going on um 
in the label and the artist side. And going back to the lyrics, especially if it's country or even pop, you know, they want something that is maybe a little conversational, a little more unique, all of those things for an artist pitch. For the sync side, it's all about that universal lyrical theme. So we don't want like these intricate lyrics for a, a you know, film TV brief. It needs to hit like this is the mood this is the emotion clear i feel it i'm saying it that it's not too wordy and it's achieving that mood so they the drastic the most drastic difference to me is lyrics usually i would say because one is a maybe more story or even it's very energy driven there too but the licensing side is very much the emotion the mood the, the vibe i <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> no, you're, you're right on the money. Um, people tend to write autobiographical stories, and, and they should. Songwriters have always been trained write about what you know, write about your experiences, which is great. But let's say if I were a single man and Angela were my girlfriend, which is just hypothetical, <laughs> no hanky panky at taxi, but I, I could write a song about, you know, her alabaster skin, her beautiful brown eyes, her beautiful brown hair. But that doesn't relate to the scene. <laughs> what you want to, and I've had this drilled into my head a thousand times by Robin Frederick. Um, so, how does that make you feel? It makes me feel great when I'm with her. That's mm -hmm. the emotion. That's the summary, like the executive summary. That's where film and TV lyrics should go versus you can't describe all of Angela's physical features or her mm -hmm. personality quirks because they won't fit with the story. Mm -hmm. But she makes me feel like a million dollars. That could fit anywhere. That, totally. Okay. Exactly. Um, I think we covered a lot of that stuff. Several people have asked, can you talk a little bit about what it takes to get signed as an artist? Totally, yeah. Um, man, uh, I'll try to summarize <laughs> as much as possible. Um, well, nowadays, it's very much creating your own story and your own buzz, if you will, and your own sound. I think... Um, now, you know, maybe back in the day or something, if you were talented and you had good songs, that's one thing that might get you a deal or that might get you somewhere. But I, and a lot of times I feel like musicians get irritated that it's like, can't they see the picture? Can't they see what this could be? It's like, <laughs> mm, not really. Or they're just not willing to give that foresight when they have someone who has it all together so i think now it is it takes like you developing not only your sound your perspective who you are as an artist who what do you stand for it's not just about the music it's like who are you what is your personality um who are you as a brand if you look at it through that way all those things are important and then also branding your look or what colors or how you take your photos what are, what's that vibe um it's i think it's more of like the full package that is like this is who i am this is what i sound like this is what i want my things to look like this is 
my ideas for my visuals and here it is this is my plan can you just facilitate it but i i think you have to bring the vision the full vision and get that gets someone excited because it's like wow they know who they are and they i want to get on board with that it's like you're showing some as much as you can show someone's going to want to buy into that because it looks more together professional like it's thought out it's not just a fleeting oh they wrote some good songs it's like geez they take themselves seriously and they have done the development on their own i don't see much development deals like development deals are not really happening anymore (laughs) like you kind of have to come fully formed and i think that just is what it is so you can do a lot of work on your own before you get there um, some people take that to mean I've got a website, I've got Twitter, I've got Insta, I've got uh, even TikTok. Um, but what they don't have is a mastery of those things. It's not enough to have the account and, and post um, you know, a, a thing that says, uh, really tired of doing vocals, going to make some tea. That doesn't, in, but I've seen stuff like that. That doesn't yeah. invite anybody really into your life. And I've observed about you because, you, you know, you're a staff member, you're a friend. Um, you work hard. I mean, if you're not working at Taxi and you're awake, you are working yeah. on, your, on your career. You, you are mm-hmm. a, a business lady or business person, mm-hmm. whatever the proper terminology is these days. And you treat what you're doing very much like a business. Some people might say, well, but that's so not artistic. Do you ever feel like, you know, that you're torn between the business and the art? Are you able to meld them comfortably? What's it like being in your shoes? Hmm. I think, um, I don't think it's like not artistic. Having a session or writing every day, that is like the most artistic. That's just making, I feel, I feel like most musicians, are always thinking, oh, I'm not good enough. Or like, I I could do so much better. I could do this. And it's like the way I get on my head in those areas is just showing up every day and honing my craft. Um, I'm trying to think of how I can frame this on the business versus uh, creative. Also, I feel like some people think, oh, I'm not good with social media. and And that is part of the business. And believe me, I don't like it either. Like I'm, I definitely could be better at it. And I think maybe I've given myself grace in this COVID period to just be like, you know, if I'm not feeling it, I'm going to step away for a little bit instead of forcing this post that's fake. You, you know, also pay attention to that. That's my belief, at least. And I'd rather approach it when I'm real and genuine and share that excitement. But I think they do go hand in hand and you just got to figure out what works for you. Um, What can you do that lets you post something once a day or just show up in that authentic way? It doesn't have to look like what someone else is doing, doing TikToks all day. Maybe yours is you. I started doing these things called light thoughts. That was my way of like, at least I know I'm going to do one post every day. That's a photo I've taken and just, a thought that I want to share. Um, and that was something that got me to consistently post. 
but yeah, I'm always thinking about that. We'll see in the new year what that what that's like for me. But it is part of it, you know. It's because as artists, it is so much more. It's not just music. The artists you love and adore, you really love who they are. So I think it all goes hand in hand. Um, making that music and then still putting yourself genuine stuff out there or I don't know if your artistic you as an artist is like a character then that is what you put out there but they all go hand in hand to help people get to know you and just invest in you as an artist in person you said the word genuine and authentic um mm -hmm. how do you square genuine and authenticity with also monitoring trends and start trying to stay current and even a little bit ahead of the currency curve um mm -hmm. is, is it hard to wrestle with not following what somebody else has done or what a lot of people have done and doing your own thing to be authentic to who you are as an artist. But do you also worry maybe my authentic self isn't something that the marketplace wants because I don't sound like everybody else? Mm hmm. Yes, I think. But there are still certain things that make you, you know, if you are more classic singer songwriter you can still have modern sensibilities and maybe your lyrics or in your production you know um you can still do it in a modern way i feel like there's so many current artists right now that are very 80s in a 2020 way or something like that <laughs> they they found a way to put their little spin on it and do it you know it could be I feel like so much, you can tell so much in the drums for me. It's like, if those are dated drums, the entire song just feels, no. You could get like a classic, even, I mentioned this to a member recently, and John Mayer, I love John Mayer. And he's been, a, you know, he's managed to stay, can do, be authentic to himself, but also keep evolving and present to his songs in a contemporary way. Like, I think it was New Light that I'm thinking of. It's very, those are samples. The drums are MIDI samples or something, but they're like samples of analog drums. So, so it's not like a live drummer, but that to me is a way to blend the two worlds a little bit better. Mm. Um, I don't know. Yeah, drums to me are a big thing in production. Yeah, get I'm, it right. I'm amazed <clears throat> back in my day in the studio, there were basically kind of three kick drum sounds that we all used because we were all working in the real authentic um organic instrument mm -hmm. world you know we we didn't have i mean we had syndromes do 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 those things but um only disco people used them nowadays <laughs> i'm just amazed by how much time people will spend on just a kick drum and literally the sound of the kick drum is a way to telegraph to people your hip and current versus <laughs> not hip and current. And, mm -hmm. and I mean, you know, as you know, Rob Shirelli is a very close friend of mine. And 
you know, he thinks nothing of combining three or four or five or six different kick drum samples. Oh, back is. back in my day, we'd move the pillow in, move the pillow out, move the mic, add a little EQ, add a little compression. That was kind of the mm -hmm. range of what we did. Um, I just recently got Logic so I could start learning to build a kick drum sound by adding four or five together. Um, I'm a little scared. I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to have to bring myself up to speed with what current is so that mm -hmm. I can go. First, you go through an imitative stage. Oh, I made a kick drum sound that sounded like that record. And now mm -hmm. I'm good enough that I can do that at the drop of a hat on command anytime I want. Now I can bring a little bit of Mikey's secret sauce to it and make mm -hmm. take that existing cool current thing and make it groundbreaking or cooler. Right. That's, that's what yeah. I would do as an engineer or a producer. But who knows? Things like the that. road rally keep me so busy, I may never get to play with logic enough to find out. All right, let's answer ah. some questions that were sent in beforehand. I love it. Um, if we submit to a listing, especially an exclusive one, and get a forward, what's a reasonable time frame to wait before continuing to pitch the song elsewhere? That's a good one. Um, and it is very... There's no hard and fast, fast uh, answer I could give to that. Um, it depends on the listing for sure. But in general, I would say 30 to 90 days. If you haven't heard something by then, I wouldn't hold my breath for it. And I think if someone reached out to you after 90 days, they would understand if you already got a deal elsewhere. You know, yeah. if it's, you already are pitching it in two weeks, then they're going to be bombed. <laughs> I wouldn't. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I. what do you think about that answer? I, I say. I've, I've actually learned something from the members on this, which is send it everywhere all the time. They, they don't even wait. They get a forward. They just keep sending it because mm. what I've learned from the members is if by chance that first company it was forwarded to reaches out to you, after you've been signed by another company that you sent it to a day later, you say, I'm sorry, somebody else grabbed it. First of all, that makes them respect you immediately because you've had something totally. else signed. And that's when you say, but I can make you another piece of music that's in the ballpark of that one. And they'll say, can you make me five? So mm -hmm. my that's feeling good. is follow the advice of your fellow members and just submit. Literally, if you get a forward, don't like wait. That. Somebody once said, it's like waiting for your Coke dealer to show up. Don't do it. <laughs> it just keeps submitting. You don't stand by yeah. the phone or your email waiting for that magic moment to come through. Just keep getting it out there. very true. I like that. Good job, members. I'm going to use that <laughs> answer now. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm telling you, I learned from our members mm -hmm. because they're on the other side of that street. And so many of them have become true professionals that... Yeah what i think isn't as important as what i can learn from them just my mm -hmm. own experience tells me that um hi angela this is from weather eye from facebook says hi angela although i'm using the latest samples from top vendors my returns sometimes have feedback that says my samples sound dated or of lower quality this happens mm -hmm. regardless if i do the mixer if i hired a producer with lots of cues and albums to his credit any advice on specifically what triggers this response from screeners and how to improve outcomes for future submissions? Interesting. I find this is something I, ac I actually just 
talk to one of our screeners who I love uh, their work. But I just wanted to clarify because it was a comment about the MIDI. It sounded too MIDI. And I, I was saying, no, is it the samples themselves or is it what I was thinking? And they agreed the what you're doing with them. A lot mm -hmm. of times it is how you're programming them, maybe how you're layering them, how you are applying reverb or EQ, any of those things. I think a lot of the time it's what you're doing with them, not just not just dropping them in stock. I think that's when it's like, eh, not the best. Because um, you can also make it unique. You know, anyone's buying the same samples and using the same samples, but they're, everyone's treating them differently. And right. that makes your sound different or people are layering them differently. Um, so um, I, I would say the best way to avoid it is kind of and maybe improving upon how you're using them. I know you're saying you get that even if you have an outside mixer, I mean, or outside producer. So maybe it is identifying some top three songs that you really like that are in this style that you're trying to go for and analyzing those and seeing if you can find any commonalities on how they're treating their their sounds or what their drums sound like and working on it yourself or taking it to your collaborator and seeing if you guys can craft that together. But for me, oftentimes, I think it's how things are being treated. If if you get a comment talking about, oh, it's too stiff, oh, it's too midi, you can really improve the stiffness if you're programming things a certain way or applying a certain effect to, to things. It can give it a lot more life than just putting it in right on the grid it's like eh, it feels too stiff right um and you mentioned reverb i think that's a telltale sign that um you could take the world's most expensive most wonderful most current sample and put a one and a half second plate on it and it's just out of context with the song and it draws your attention to it and go you don't know that it's the reverb as the listener but it just sounds like old and it's because you use kind of mm. a, a reverb setting that was very prominent in another era so yeah mm. when you yeah. listen to other you know current hits listen to, okay so they're using an 808 they've layered it up and they're using this kind of room or you know you, i mean you never know exactly what they're using but um, totally take your best shot to figure it out and, and try and mimic that mm -hmm. um i if i can add one more thing yeah, i sure. just go for it i i don't know if i was listening to a podcast or i watched a video and phineas was talking about how they layer things and I think it was in Bad Guy that he layered like a crosswalk signal sign from <laughs> London and like in in with that beat, which was so interesting and it just makes it more unique and yeah. So have fun with maybe how you layer things. You know, uh, the Shirelli's and the Lascos <laughs> go to fireworks every year together. Our two families will do a little barbecue, and then we go watch fireworks. And every year I say to Rob, it's that one firework that's got this boom, bang you. And, oh, crap, I just squished my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, th that kind that just hits you in the chest makes that huge boom. And every year I say, boy, we should sample that. Well, 
two years ago, pre-COVID 4th of July, Rob actually recorded it on his phone, took it home, sent me the straight recording of it, and then processed it. It made an amazing kick drum sound. And, I love and he, it. Yeah, he sent, sent it back to me in an email saying, I can't believe we've talked about this forever. And, you know, it works. That's so, awesome. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Carrie Hartson says, Hi, Angela, and thank you for doing this. My question is, I'm primarily a keyboard player, but I don't have or have access to a real physical piano to record on these days. Any tips for how to make my virtual pianos or organs sound real enough to get forwarded? Do you mind if I take that one? Go for it. I've, I've got yeah. a good prescription because I'm old school and the old school thing works in the new medium. And then if you have something bad, of course. Yeah. Um, take, take that keyboard uh and run the output to a pair of speakers and put them in a room and then experiment with miking those speakers from across the room in corners of the room up by the ceiling down by the floor and you will bring life to something because you're adding air you're adding reflections you're adding the things that would normally surround a, a, the acoustics that would surround a piano if you were recording it in the room so I used to do that with drums. Um, I've done it actually uh, with a synthesizer that was emulating a B3, and it really didn't sound nearly as good as miking a cabinet on a B3. So I took the microphones I would normally use on a B3 Leslie and, and sent the the B you know the fake B3 out to a pair of speakers and miked it. And it was a dramatic improvement. So there's my two cents. Got anything else? I like that. Just I don't think sense. I can. No. Yeah, that was good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Pass it around to the kids. They should share. Um, here's one from Smudge Swain. Swan, uh, hi, Taxi. I'm just wondering if Taxi is considered anonymous submissions for listings from members so the screeners don't see who the submissions are coming from. Thank you very much. Look forward to the episode. So, yeah. Um, Hope you're tuning in. Um, I, I mean, I really don't think that makes one difference or another. Honestly, there's so many submissions oftentimes and screeners are not going to hold that. I mean, they better not start holding that. Right. I really don't think that our screeners would, would do that. And, you know, I do, if you ever, I, when someone reaches out to me, I do always say, Hey, if you get something that you're like, strongly this warrants a second look please send it to me i'm happy to look at it i don't say send everything to me that you're like oh this should have been forwarded but you know use your judgment and i'm happy to help in where possible and so if you ever felt like that way we would not want you to feel that way and i'd want you to bring it to my attention i'd do my best to look into it and help explain anything but i really don't personally i don't feel there's a need for anonymous submissions um do you want to add to that at all michael well yeah i think the question might have been asked because she wants to know did the screeners ever see a name and go oh it's him again or it's her again uh i roll um <laughs> we train the screeners that if you get too many from somebody and you feel like you've given them as much good feedback as you can give them don't push yourself to give them more feedback or don't roll your eyes just leave it in the bucket and another screener mm -hmm. working on that listing will hear it 
So mm-hmm. there's that. Uh, but, you know, if it were anonymous, I mean, the only reason I could think that this person's asking for anonymity is for fear that a screener goes, oh, it's them again. I, I right. just, I can't say that that has never happened because I just don't know. But I think it's highly unlikely. Just knowing the screeners like we do as people and kind of knowing their work ethic and stuff, I think that they would either bring it to you or say, can I got, sometimes we do have members, they'll submit 10 things for one listing. And mm-hmm. after the third song, the screener's like, hey, Angela, can you get somebody else on this? Because I got nothing else to say. That's a, exactly. a, yeah. a tr- true statement, right? Definitely. And to the opposite of the point of anonymity, I know personally some screeners will be happy because they're like, oh, I've seen progress since. And I've seen comments like that on behalf of screeners that say, you know, it's been such a pleasure. You really have expanded your, you know, abilities or you're, they're doing different styles. I think a lot of them like being a part of that journey and if they get to hear maybe the second revision or something like that, I, I think they enjoy it. Uh, Rex Colwell asks, hi, Angela, do you have any thoughts on how someone fortunate enough to receive many forwards, but just one or two deals uh, might figure out what they need to do to land more deals? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of what I mentioned already and what I do feel is real in terms of pitch accuracy and it's not only to earn forwards but to actually earn deals if you are the more accurate the pitch the more forwards you're going to get and you're increasing the rate of earning that forward and the the rate of the client actually reaching out to you so um i really do stand by the pitch accuracy and i would say you know at that point what if you've received five forwards on one song and it's not turning into a a deal why not go back and revise it and you you don't you could still have the original version maybe it's the alt version but um try different things i don't know see if you can crack your code see if you can make it a little bit better maybe it's just that five percent that's even better that'll result in a phone call um yeah yeah it's chime in When, let's say that we get 200 submissions for a listing and we forward 23 of those. And now the person on the receiving end, you didn't compete with your fellow members when you were getting screened, by, screened at Taxi. People always wanna know, is there competition at Taxi? No, it's everything that meets what the brief asked for and is over the quality bar goes. But mm-hmm. there could be another member that's also over the quality bar, but higher over the quality bar. You, it does get oh, no. competitive with the end user that we send it to. So Absolutely. I think your advice about the 5% is well-founded because you're good enough to get over our bar and our bar is high, but somebody else could be you know, a pole vaulter that does 11 feet and you're doing 10 and a half feet. And, mm-hmm. Or it could, there is a certain amount, there, it's very rare that you will ever hear me say that there's luck because I believe that you make your own luck to a large extent. Luck certainly mm-hmm. plays a little part, but I think you make your own luck. Well, when they get that batch of music from Taxi, um, it may be that they find what they're looking for in the first three things they listen to, and you're the fourth thing or the 19th thing on the list. Um, 
we can't control that. Um, and generally, we will send stuff out kind of in the order, you know, not necessarily in order of this is what we like best. There are times that we will move really standout stuff to the top of the list because they're under tremendous time pressure, like for an, a TV commercial, for instance. And mm -hmm. we find three things that absolutely 100, 110% nail it and a bunch of other stuff that 100% nails it. We will, in that case, sometimes, not all the time, but on, I don't know, 20% of those occasions, yeah. we'll, we'll move three up to the top and say the top three, um, you know, start there. Um, right. I, I, I know that I've heard from a couple people when I brought this up uh, of our end user clients, uh, library owners that I know really well, will tell me sometimes they'll skip around randomly on the list just because they wonder, is Taxi putting what they think is the best stuff at the top? Um, so just because they're playing their own little mind games, they will, mm -hmm. you know, one of them name, uh, I, I won't mention a name, but yeah, one guy and I just had this conversation like a month before the rally. He said, when I get your stuff, he said, sometimes I listen to the last thing on the list because part of me says maybe that's the least good, which it isn't necessarily. Uh, and then I skip around and I thought, well, that's cool. That'll make the members happy because that's even more democratic and everybody really gets a shot. So uh -huh. there you go. Um, <laughs> next question, reference tracks. Ooh, this is gonna be a good one, I have a feeling. Um, <laughs> Hi, Angela. My question is about reference tracks. What are the expectations regarding similarity with reference tracks? And then there's a follow on, which is, can you offer specific advice in this area? Obviously, the genre and overall mood should be similar. Um, but what about specifics such as tempo, instrumentation, tone of the voice or instruments, length of track, etc.? The taxi feedback form lists several of these criteria. Is the criteria consistent or is the criteria constant? or does it vary greatly from submission to submission? So, hmm. um, okay. how, how well, similar, I guess to summarize, how similar to the references should it be? Right, um, well, of course, it always says no clones, no one wants something that's like, wow, you created this exactly for the reference. <laughs> and believe me, I've heard songs where I'm like, um, I think that's the same chord progression and it's a little too close for comfort. Yeah. I could just, yeah. Uh, but it definitely needs to be in the realm where if you were listening to a playlist on Spotify, it wouldn't stick out like, what is that doing on there? It needs to be in the realm. So I think analyzing references is a huge thing and that also plays into pitch accuracy and it also plays into just always improving your craft and making sure you're making material that's working right now. Um, it really can be so much. It's like if they all have, say there's three references and all the lyrics feel uplifting, then that's a good sign that the, it's, they probably want something that feels uplifting. Uh, if every, every reference has like a forward momentum sort of if the beat kind of pushes in a certain way and they're all doing that or if they all have you know uh, a blend of percussion in there like just listen for any sort of commonalities if they all have a bridge um kind of just randomly throwing out there but you can start to hear any common 
points in the melody or the lyric or the arrangement, even just in the energy or the vibe of the song. Um, those are all things to keep in mind and just try to honestly assess if yours fits in the general uh, frame of that. Of course, you know, voice also comes into play. It doesn't have to be specifically like that voice, but it needs to be in the realm of the tone and the spirit of the voices and of the references, I say. Um, it just increases your chances of being what the in-user wants. If it's a, a request, like a temp request, where it's one song that they're looking to replace, it needs to be closer for that. Um, most listings, they give references as a realm or range of where they want a song to sit. But in a temp style listing, that's like they already cut the scene or they already edited the scene. So they need to keep the energy. They need to keep the tempo. It can't just be like crazy different. It needs to pretty much nail that spot in place right. of the song that they couldn't buy usually it's like it's too expensive and they need a replacement so if the members see a listing that says they're looking for a replacement track and this is what they've tempted in those are your keywords that you want to if mm -hmm. the song i always use miss you by the rolling stones is the example because it's such an identifiable song should you mimic keith richard's guitar sound sure um would i match the tempo yeah you're not ripping off the rolling stones by matching the tempo should the drums sound roomy like the rolling stones drums do on that song yeah um could you even put it in that key or a key that's at least you know down in that octave or up in that octave yes all those things um attitude of the vocal all those things matter mm -hmm. when you're trying to manufacture a replacement those are mm -hmm. fairly few and far between. Most yeah. of the time, my advice would be triangulate. Uh, it's like Sesame Street. What do these things have in common or which of these things go together? Well, mm -hmm. they all have, like you said, you know, they all have a certain spirit to the vocal delivery. Mm -hmm. It's, it's freewheeling and kind of balls out rock. Um, is it uh, that they all have, they all make you feel warm and fuzzy. Those are the kinds of things that you should be looking for when you triangulate what your thing is going to be and make notes and then sit down and look at your notes and go, okay, oh, commonality, not so much, not so much commonality. And then go, mm -hmm. okay, my mission is to write something that is warm and fuzzy, that's at this kind of tempo and has an acoustic guitar as its main instrument and, and then you're in the ballpark totally um, um technically we're then can you hang out for a few more minutes because we lost a few there when we got the big red yeah. question mark thank you <laughs> yeah uh, mm -hmm. i'm not entirely sure i understand this one huh i'm like i'm maybe in it got so dark over there. Oh, I yeah. feel like in the beginning of this taxi TV, right. it was like sun. And that Same was, thing. I'm staring out into the dark right now. Life. And I've turned orange because the daylight went away. <laughs> 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 I went to a spray tan facility. Um, <laughs> this one's from Gabriel. And he says, I've got a question. How can I measure the distance between the reference and my composition? Although we have your leads, I still feel like walking on thin ice sometimes. So how can I measure the distance? Uh, you know what? I think we kind of just answered that one. We, yeah. 
similar, very similar okay. of just really studying the references and, you know, using your instinct. If you feel like your instincts are not sharp enough, maybe let someone else listen, someone that you trust say, hey, does this feel like it's within realm? Maybe don't ask like your best friend, but ask someone that. <laughs> <laughs> ask a total stranger. Hey, are you really into music? Can you give me an opinion here? <laughs> Um, and, and somebody just asked a question in the chat room that I, I want to answer, but see if Angela can add something additional, which is where to go now flew by. Oh, um, oftentimes taxi gives song references for instrumental listings. The reason we do mm -hmm. that is that if we went and linked to the actual library or another library where an instrumental cue of that type is in there and we send out a link to these libraries, people are gonna inundate them. And not everybody who looks at taxi listings are polite taxi members who act like professionals. Some people that look at the listings online might go, oh, wow, I clicked that link and it took me to a library. I'm gonna reach out to them and, and, and say, you gotta sign me, I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread. Where did you hear about us? Through taxi. And so we get we get a black mark. They don't run listings. So it makes it hard for us to, to okay. use their current catalog or anybody's current catalog as an example so because of that we will listen to songs uh, and oftentimes the songs are actually given to us as a reference from our clients mm -hmm. so uh, and, and the listings will say that so mm -hmm. the question that this person distilled it down to is okay so a song's got a melody with the lead vocal i'm supposed to submit an instrumental track do i mimic do I put a melody in there that the lead vocal would have sung? And my answer to that, which I've said a million times, apparently you haven't seen those million episodes, is give them a, a facsimile of the melody, but not the complete melody. If you were to take the song Yesterday by the Beatles and do an instrumental version and you played like a nylon string guitar melody or a flute melody or a piano melody, it's gonna sound like a, a elevator music, like uh, Muzak or 100, 101 Strings Do Yesterday. My recommendation, this is just based on my personal experience and observations over the year is give them melody light. Don't give them every note of the melody, but what about the first note of melody at the top of each bar? Instead of do, 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 how about do, do, do. So there's some melody in there to give it a sense of melody and forward that's movement good. and momentum. Um, do you have any other suggestions on top of that? Because that's I'm a one-trick pony on that answer. I like that. It, it is true. It definitely, depending on the type of listing, most listings are asking for instrumentals. There may be once in a while you might see a listing that's instrumental for an artist to sing on that's a different story this is more the film tv sort of um instrumentals where yes it needs to be more a little more engaging than if you just took a vocal off of an instrumental song and it's very apparent when that's the case because it's like you can just tell and it, it's not engaging it doesn't feel like a story being told um with the instrumental so however you can continue to make tiny little uh, arrangement changes add add a layer here or maybe you start you're playing that melody and then halfway through a different instrument plays that little melody mm. just little ways that you evolve are really big um, for instrumental listings 
Um, John Hope, save that question for an episode with me. Um, <laughs> he's asking about libraries that say only submit if you're experienced. I can answer that one for you. I want to, I mm. just had a great question for Angela. Now I forgot. Oh, somebody asked earlier, what about these custom critiques? We don't do a very good job of telling people about the custom critiques because I don't want them to feel that I'm upselling them trying to get mm -hmm. more money from them. But I've got to say the, the anecdotal feedback I've had about oh, custom oh. critiques over the years is just people say it's a wealth of information. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the, the mandate or the instructions you would give to a screener? By the way, only certain mm -hmm. screeners are allowed to do customs because exactly. they are trained specifically for them. So how, what do you tell them? Yeah, first of all, when I was a screener, I loved customs. It, I was just like, oh, I get to dive in and really talk about every part of this song. So um, the customs are so great for multiple different reasons. You could say, hey, I want to get a custom before I totally finalize the production and get my master back. That would be really smart because once really you smart. already pay for a master, it's like, well, I don't want to hear your feedback because I just pay, spent all this money and it needs to work. <laughs> well, in, instead, you could get feedback earlier. Um, other times I see members use it when they get a return and they're like, wow, I really want to know more. I have no clue. I need help. So you could ask for a custom for there for a more in-depth analysis there. Or um, maybe you're like, I think this is the style. I would love to know what a screener thinks where it would fit, where I should pitch it. Really, with customs, you can, any song of your choice, submit it, ask as many questions. We can relay those questions to the screener so they are make sure to address them. And they're going to spend a lot more time than, you know, the short-form song critiques that are for a listing. They can sit with your song and analyze it in its entirety and also address your questions. So, um I think it's just a great tool for people. And it seems like if people really enjoy it, I see members coming back, like some stay members coming back and getting that mm. feedback. Some members even say, hey, I want this song for three different screeners. I want to get that, you know, not everyone does that, but some people want to get more advice from different people to see what their different takes are and they, they adjust accordingly. Like I said, it helps people know where, how to pitch more accurately. If you're struggling there, you could target it that way. It's really something that's for you. How do you want this to be your tool? And then um, the screener will tailor it for you that way. That's a great answer. All right. Um, thank you for staying on these extra yeah. few minutes and, and just a great that. job. You know, I, I, when people said, hey, get Angela on the show, I went, wow, great idea. Because I, I thought you just so completely nailed your panel at the rally. And uh, thank you. I, I know you well enough to know that you totally get the company. You get our ethos, our our vibe, as we say in California, <laughs> uh, just uh -huh. And more than anything, I wanted the members to get to know you better because I think you are kind of representative of the screeners as a whole. This was a chance for them to see how knowledgeable and professional you are and thorough you are. And I think that you're a great head screener because you 
were a screener, one of our very best ever, and, and you embody, you know, if you could take all these little pieces of our screeners' personalities and work ethics and talents and roll them up into a ball and say, <laughs> there's the ball, you're the ball. <laughs> so <laughs> there you go. Yay. I hope I didn't disappoint. I loved it. I really do love this. Yeah. And well, if you remember looking out for this, don't be afraid if to, you know, if you don't get something, I'm here. We are, we, we want to help. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm yeah. always grateful that you found us or we found you and that you're part of our little uh, <laughs> yeah. taxi family. And with that, I want to say thank you. Have a great night. Thank you. Uh, you too. Thank you to all you guys in the chat room. I will see you tomorrow for a quarantine happy hour right back here at four o'clock. And I will answer questions that we didn't get to today. Ladies and gentlemen, Angela awesome. McCool. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, you guys. Yes, we do post a replay. <laughs>